Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to 2017. We're starting a new series today called First Things First, and I know the turn of a calendar years brings all kinds of first things on the home front, right? You've probably been cleaning out closets and going crazy organized and all that stuff, starting these wild weight loss and workout plans and all those good things are rolling in 2017. But this morning, what we want to talk about is what does Jesus have to say about setting first things first? And this morning, we're going to dive into when he talks about what it means to be a disciple and make disciples. Because at Eagle Church, we're about three things around here. Discipleship, missions, and next generation. Being disciples, making disciples of all nations, and starting as young as we can possibly get started. Discipleship, missions, and next generation. And a big part of what it means to be a disciple and to grow in our relationship with Christ has to do with life-on-life mentorship. And that's a big part of your story. Some of you are here because someone intentionally and purposefully built into you. And so what I want you to do this morning is welcome two individuals who kind of formed this mentoring relationship over this past year and ask them to come and share a little bit about how God's used it. So let's welcome Jan Woodall and Olivia Littell to the stage, can we? Morning, ladies. Morning. So Jan, why don't you get us started? Tell us how the relationship got going here with Olivia. Okay, we um, were in a prospectus class about a year ago this past fall, and Justin came up to me and said, Aunt Jan, I know a girl that um, has just recently been baptized, and she needs someone to walk alongside her. Would you be interested? And I thought, well, <laughs> I've never done anything like that before, and I thought, let me pray about it. And um, it just seemed the right thing to do. So he got us together. And um, there was another girl that was with us, but she's since moved um, to Washington, D.C. And the three of us began to meet at Starbucks on a Wednesday morning, just for an hour before work, about 7 in the morning. And from there, it just took off. So, Olivia, talk to us about the kinds of things when you and Jan get together. What do those times look like? So, like she said, we meet for about an hour on (laughs) Wednesday mornings before work, and we really just talk about anything and everything, life, good things that happened, um, struggles that we're facing, and something that God laid on Jan's heart was for us to read through a book called Passion and Purity. Um, So we read through that. It took us about the entire year. Um, A couple chapters, we'd go a little more in depth, and then some of them, we'd go a little faster. Um, But that's really what our days look like, and we always prayed at the end of every single day, and we'd take turns, because that's something I wasn't quite comfortable with, was praying out loud. Yeah, so for the first time you got, you prayed out loud together with her? Yes. For the first time, you remember? Tell us what that was like. I don't, it's hard to remember way back then, but I I know I was anxious, and it was something I didn't want to do, and I felt like my thoughts were all over the place, Um, but since then, I think it's really changed. I've I'm a lot more confident when I'm praying out loud. I'm a lot more intentional with my prayers. And it's something that I can share with others because I realized I wasn't the only one facing that struggle. So what spurred this relationship at the beginning was you were, you were baptized, some new beginnings going on in your life. You wanted to grow in your walk with Christ. Jan approaches you about, hey, I want to start getting together and mentoring. And then you started meeting together. Put some words to the ways God has used this over the past year. One of the biggest things is definitely my prayer life, which I already talked about. So just being intentional about that, being confident in praying and 
you know, just realizing when God is working. She's really good to point that out when I'll show up and say, oh, I was really surprised about this. And she's like, no, 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 don't be surprised. <laughs> um, that's something we prayed about weeks ago. Um, another thing was really reading through the Passion and Purity book. It's been such a blessing to have someone walk through this stage of life with me and just be there to remind me um, the difference between a worldly relationship and a godly one or, you know, being happy versus holy and um, just what to do with that, with those relationships and any relationship with that. So, um, and what love really looks like. So the kindness and selflessness and things like that. Um, Is that Elizabeth Elliot's book? Elizabeth Elliot. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Great book. Is it an overstatement, Olivia, to say that the past 12 months of your life have been the most spiritually formative, spiritually growth stretch in your life? No, that is not an overstatement at all. They definitely have. And another thing was leading up to Cambodia. It, it was great to have Jan there to walk me through, you know, praying leading up to that. And, yeah, no, it's definitely been the most transformative You went to Cambodia here. in July? July. Mm -hmm. Missions trip with Remember New. Right. That was a big step of this past year. Right. So it was great to have someone there to help. And you would point to, to this relationship too. as central to growth that was been going on. Absolutely. Um, it's just knowing that someone else who has been through the things that you're walking through is encouraging in itself. Like looking at people, you think that they have it all together. And. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just really, it's really, really nice to have someone just to walk through life with you and to help you walk through life with God and do those everyday, everyday things with him. So Jan, how long have you been walking with Jesus? I became a Christian when I was in eighth grade, and that was a long time ago. Let's just say a long time ago for Jan's sake, right? <laughs> a lot of years. A lot of years. <laughs> a lot of folks listening to this story this morning are thinking a little bit like when Justin approached you, you know, initially your reaction, I, I don't think I'm smart enough, spiritual enough, I don't know the Bible enough, there's no way I could mentor and pour into someone else and help someone else. Talk to the folks who maybe feel a little bit that way when they hear this story. Well, um, it's not about being a spiritual giant or how much of the Bible you have memorized or what you know. Um, it's more about sharing um, your faith, uh, that personal, loving, intimate relationship that you have with Jesus, um, and your life experiences, what you've been through. And a lot of times, Olivia will ask a question, and I'll go, oh, something comes to my mind. I go, oh, yeah, you know, this, this is what happened to me. And sometimes it's like, I don't know. Let's, let's pray about that. Hmm. So it's not like you have to have all the answers and you don't have to know everything. It's just you have to be willing to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will use you if you're willing. Mm -hmm. And that's, he's the one that builds a relationship, gives us the love for each other. And it's just pretty much what he, what he leads and guides us to do. And how has the Lord used this to grow you, Jan, this past year? Um, Olivia is just such an encouragement. Like, I've been a Christian for a long time. And she just brings to me a freshness, mm -hmm. um, a joy. Uh, her first love of, of knowing God, and, and it's just really encouraged me to see her grow. I mean, this girl, she went to Cambodia. She started a, a life group here. She works with the kids downstairs. She always has somebody in the seat next to her at church. She's witnessing it at work. I mean, she is growing leaps and bounds. And to see that and to pray with her and to see the answers to those prayers, it just it makes my faith just grow and leap mm. too. So, church, this is what it means to be the body of Christ. 
This is how the spiritual development of people happens, right? There's someone who's hungry, desiring to grow, linking up with someone who says, I'll help. And the Bible word for this is called discipleship or spiritual mentorship. And maybe some of you are here today and you're right where Olivia is and you are interested and desiring a relationship with someone like a Jan. You want a mentor. And do you know that you're surrounded by dozens and dozens of people who are willing and interested and feel trained and equipped, at least like what Jan's saying, hey, I've walked with Jesus at least long enough to simply say, hey, I just want to help you follow Jesus as I'm following him. We don't have to make it any more complicated than that. You don't need to be a Bible scholar. But there's several people seated all around here who are willing to do what Jan's doing. And so what we need to know from you is if you're hungry and desiring to be mentored, all you got to do is let us know. And we'll help link up some of those relationships. And you can use the connect card in your bulletin. You can just say, hey, looking for a mentor. All you need to do is write that on there. And then we'll be in touch and talk about what are some of the dynamics you're looking for. And then we'll just try to be a bridge. Because the church should be about the spiritual development of people. We should be the conduit to help these link-ups happen. Right? Because this is how, I mean, the context was Eagle Church environment that this relationship got started. And then it thrust forward. So first question for you guys is, who are the other Olivia's out there? who are hungry for this. We want to know who you are. Will you let us know who you are? Because we want to help. Second is, there's some others out here who feel, hey, they're in a spot where Jan is. We want to know who you are. You feel, hey, you're at a place where you could build in and develop and mentor someone else. And if you feel like you could do that, we want to know who you are. We'd like to sit down, have a conversation, a little, learn a little bit more about your story, and then work with linking you up appropriately. So we want to know who the Jan types are out here and the Olivia types are. And you can just let us know. Use the connect card and say, I'm willing to be a mentor or looking for a mentor. Deal? Because this is what, 2017, we're going to get the discipleship ball down the field around here. And we don't need to make it any more complicated than this. It's this kind of thing happening multiplied dozens and dozens and dozens of times around here. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the ways you're using Jan and Olivia and their relationship. Thank you for the growth that Olivia testifies to, and even Jan testifies to, how you've used simply saying, let's get together, let's get in the word, let's pray, and let's grow together. I pray the fullness of your blessing on these two as they continue to grow and develop. I I look forward to the day when Olivia is sitting across the table, and she is pouring her life into the next person, just simply being a disciple who makes disciples And Lord, I pray for those out there. Maybe there's some right now in the body and spirits prompting and just saying, hey, it's me, it's me. I need a mentor. I pray that you would help us link people up to see growth happen all across the board. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's thank Jan and Olivia for sharing their story. Thank you, guys. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Thank you. How many of you know what this is? I thought since it's such a gardening time of year. It's a trellis. You should have seen the guy at Lowe's when I went over and said, hey, I'm looking for a trellis. And it was like five degrees outside that day. And he was like overseeing the gardening department. And he said, "Um, yeah, I think we've got a few left. And he kind of gave me the look like, you're getting started really early. Uh, 
Uh, and, he, and we walked over to the door, and it was so cold, the door to the garden center was frozen shut. And he had to pry the door open. And he kind of pried it open, and he just pointed over there. He's like, yeah, yeah go over there and look for him. And he stayed. This is a trellis. What's the purpose of a trellis? The purpose of a trellis, you find these with vining plants. You gardening types know all about this, right? You place this near the vining plants, and it provides a structure for the vines to grow up. Vineyards, often a lot of these things, it helps lift the vineyards off the ground. So the main purpose of a trellis is to lift things off the ground and help them grow upward. To lift things off the ground and help them grow upward. That's, that's a pretty good summary of Jesus' life and mission. Why did Jesus come to the earth? At the core, you could say, well, he came to help lift people up off the ground and help them grow upward. That's a pretty strong mission statement for a local church. Like, what's Jesus' church supposed to be about? We're supposed to be about helping lift people off the ground and, and help them grow upward. And so... What I want you to think about this morning is, I want you to think about the trellis as a structure for your personal spiritual development. And I want to be upfront this morning with my goal for the message. My goal for this message is that we would leave here today with a commitment, each of us, to put together a personal trellis for your spiritual development in 2017. I'd love to see that happen for all of us. Maybe you've already got it in place, hallelujah. If it's not in place, that this would be the week that you you get to work on it. Because the structure itself is to support and facilitate a growth and development upward. The trellis is not the life. The plant is the life. The trellis help provides a structure that facilitates a growth upward. So I want you to think about that and think about the role in the ministry of local church life together and discipleship and spiritual formation together. The trellis is the structure to facilitate a growth upward and towards Christ. It is not the life itself, but it helps provides a structure for that life to grow. Are you tracking with me? So Jesus told a parable about this. Matthew chapter 13, he told a lot of parables in the Gospels, 30 plus of them. And here's how he said it when he was trying to teach his disciples about this kind of dynamic. Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like. The only time Jesus used the phrase the kingdom of heaven, here's how I want you to interpret that. That's Jesus' way of saying everyday life with him. Life, the Emmanuel life, the with God life, the kingdom of heaven. You get to live this life with Christ, in Christ, for Christ and through Christ. That's what it means to be the kingdom of heaven. He's trying to describe, so he tells stories about what it means to live everyday life with him. And here he's saying, hey, the kingdom of heaven, here's what it's like. It's like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Two observations from this parable. There's a recognition of value in what Jesus is talking about and a reorientation of life. 
a recognition of value, and a reorientation of life. See, Jesus tells a story about a guy who found a treasure that was so valuable that he went and buried it in a field. Say, what's he doing that for? Well, it was common in first century Palestine that they would take their most valued possessions and they would bury them in their backyards. Why? Because they had to deal a lot with the not-so-friendly neighbors. The neighboring nations would come in and destroy their villages. And guess what they would do when they would come into their homes? They would take all their valuable possessions. So the people learned, hey, go bury the most important, the most treasured. Go bury them in the ground because that's the best way to protect them. So much so, here was a famous Jewish rabbi. This is what they would teach the people. There's only one safe repository for money, the earth. Some of you have felt that way with the financial markets at times. There's only one safe repository for money, the rabbis would say, the earth. And so here's Jesus. He's telling this story. He says, hey, there's there's a kind of life available to you, this Emmanuel life, this with God life. It's so valuable. It's like a treasure that a guy found in the field. And he went and sold everything he had to buy that treasure. That's how valuable. That's how much infinite worth this is. And then he adds to it, there's, it's also like the search for a pearl. And pearls were sought after, first century Palestine. They would go all over the Persian Gulf. And they said the pearl was beyond price, was a gem beyond price. You couldn't put a price tag on the pearl. And so Jesus said, hey, do you see the kingdom of heaven, life with God? There's a kind of life available to you that's like searching for a pearl and you find it in the Persian Gulf. It's like finding a treasure that's been buried in a field. It's that kind of value. And it's the value of recognizing that treasure and that pearl. And it spawns what? It says that value and worth of that, it moves you. It warrants a reorientation of life to claim it as your own. Follow me here. Reorient your life to claim it as your own. What did the guy in the story have to do? Verse 44, what does he say? He sold everything he had and bought that field. Was that some life reorientation for him? Yeah, because he found a treasure that was so important. He sold everything he had to get that treasure. And then what about 46? When they found a pearl, sold everything he had and bought it. So this is the reorientation of life effect. This is what C.S. Lewis says. I think I put this quote in your notes. If you haven't pulled your notes out or fired up your app, you can follow along that way as well. Here's what Lewis said. Put first things first and second things are thrown in. Put second things first and you lose both first and second things. You see, discipleship starts with this question. A recognition of value, a question about your deepest desires, the inmost longings of the heart, what runs under the hood of our lives, below the drivenness and busyness and noise of our lives, there are some longings in the inmost place. There's some hungers and desires deep down in here. And this is where discipleship starts. It starts with this question, what do you want? Tapping into these desires. Listen to how Ruth Haley Barton, I think I put this quote in your notes. And by the way, Ruth Haley Barton is going to be here at Eagle Church in 2017. I'm so fired up about this for this weekend. I want you to mark June 10 and 11 down on your calendar. Saturday, June 10th, we're going to do like a 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. thing. And it's going to be like a spiritual formation retreat with Ruth Haley Barton right here for you. 
And that's going to be a great gift. Spending five hours with her, just allowing her to be able to train and equip us to continue to go deeper in our discipleship. And then she's going to preach here on Sunday morning, the 11th. So June 10 and 11th. Don't be out of town that weekend. This is what Ruth Haley said in her book, Sacred Rhythms. She said, when was the last time you felt it? Your own longing, that is. Follow this. Your longing for love. Your longing for God. Your longing to live your life as that it was meant to be lived in God. When was the last time you felt a longing for healing and fundamental change groaning within you? Don't rush past this question. It may be the most important question you ever ask. Do you know that's what surfaces sometimes around the flip of a calendar year? This is what rises sometimes. This is what spurs us on as we look to a new year. Kind of the hope of new beginnings. What begins to rise? Under the hood of our lives are those deeper longings, those inmost desires. They begin to surface. And this is why Jesus, when he was walking around, one of his favorite questions to the people who were listening to him would say, what do you want? He asked this to John's disciples. In, I think I put in your, in your notes, Mark, or John chapter 1, he asked John the Baptist's disciples, what do you want? They're following him around. In Mark 10, he asked James and John, who were lobbying and jockeying for position in his kingdom, he's like, hey, what do you want? Mark 10, 36. And then he asked blind Bartimaeus on the road, Mark 10, 51, what do you want? See, Jesus is pressing into this question, what do you want? Because he knows this. He knows we live toward what we want. This is what Jesus, he, we live, we reorient our life toward what we want. When you come to grips with the deepest desires of your life, that begins to shape then how you're living. Jesus knows this. So his first question of discipleship to you and to me in 2017 is, what do you want? What's the deepest and rooted hunger and desire? Or maybe pressing a little further, what does God want for you? What's God's desire for you and your life this coming year? And, and sit with that question in his presence. We can't just rush past it. Say, God, what do you want for me? Because we live toward what we want. Often I get the question. As a pastor, people walk up and say, Pastor, why isn't this person growing more spiritually? Why aren't they taking steps forward? My short answer is often this. Because they don't want to. Or the flip side of it is this. Why is someone like Olivia Littell taking off and flourishing so much in 2016? You know the core of that, Jesus would say? Because she wants to. Because she's come to grips with a deeper longing in her heart that says, you know what? I want this kind of life. It's a treasure that's buried in a field. It's a pearl at the bottom of the Persian Gulf. I found it. I've discovered it. I've tasted of it. And I want to feast at that banquet table because there's nothing that compares with that. We found a treasure of infinite value and worth, and then you live toward what you want. Are you tracking with me? You live toward what you want. The core reason that we are or are not taking steps in our faith is do you want it or not? Because I have found Jesus to be very willing and ready and interested to help us grow if we want it. And you know, he's such a respecter of persons. Think about the humility of God in this to just let us flounder around in our non-growth life stuff simply because we say, you know what, I'm not interested. I've saved, I got my fire insurance, I'm good for the day I pass away, but between now and then, just let me kind of go on my own. 
Think of the humility of God in that. And then think of the grace of God for any and all who say, Lord, I want to know you more. Answer for me what matters more than that. Knowing Jesus more and better and deeper in 2017, what matters more than that? That's going to matter 100 years from now. Really knowing him and say, Lord, I've tasted of your goodness. It's like the old hymn, we taste thee, O thou living bread, and long to feast upon thee still. We drink of thee the fountainhead and thirst our souls from thee to fill. What was Bernard of Clairvaux talking about? He's talking about a treasure that's hidden in a field. He's talking about a pearl at the bottom of the Persian Gulf, and he's discovered it of such infinite value and worth that it's warranting reorienting his whole life. To what? To get that treasure, to find that pearl, to live that life. And so my question for you as we get started this year is my question for me as well. So two questions are going to flow out of these two observations. The first question is, what do you want? Or maybe press it a little more personally, who do you want to be? Do you know at the end of our lives, that's what we're going to stand before Jesus and offer? What are you going to offer at the end of your life? It's not going to be the size of the portfolio and the number of steps up on the corporate ladder or the commas and zeros here or there or the accomplishments not even the ministry visions and dreams you accomplish. You're not going to stand there and you know what you're going to stand before Jesus and offer? The kind of person you've become. That's what's going to stand before him. And the question I think he asks us, who do you want to be? This is the recognition of value. And then that flows into the second question is, how do you want to live so you can be who you want to be? reorientation of life. Or to say it another way, are you practically arranging your everydayness in such a way that's in step with your longings? See, when there's the deepest longings and there's a gap between how you're living, do you know that the longer and wider this gap gets, the longings and the livings, when there's a gap there, do you know what fills that gap? This is where we get internally. We sense things are out of sync. This is not the way it's supposed to be. We don't have an internal peace and rest. We know there's some changes that need to be made. What is all of that? That's when your longings are not in step with your living. When that gap gets too wide, now God can use that gap. It's a healthy and holy thing that he stirs up when you say, I've had enough with the gap. I want my living to be more in step with my deepest longings. Are you tracking with me? Because you recognize that there is a treasure that is of such infinite value and worth that you find that field, you buy that field, you go to the depths to get that pearl. You recognize it's so valuable that you reorient your whole life around how you're living, that your living then begins to align with your longings. And this is what I think Jesus is getting at when it comes to Matthew 13 and the parable. Because if this out of syncness gets too wide and too long, here's the danger we run into. We kind of get to this place where you just, I call it a spirit of resignation. Where you just kind of resign yourself to the fact that whatever you're living in your current realities of your Christian life, that's as good as it gets. And you're just kind of holding on till glory. That's called the spirit of resignation. And it's okay to be honest about where you're starting, but here's the thing we need to know. With Jesus, change is possible. It doesn't have to stay the way it is. There's more with him. 
You can know him more and deeper and better this year. That's why when you, when you look at some of our, our phrases around our, our mission statement, living everyday life with Jesus and more together every day, some of you are asking, what's the greater than symbol? What's that all about? It's about this. It's about knowing him more and deeper and better. With Jesus, there's always more. And we don't want to settle for whatever 2016 or 2015 or 24. Why are we going to settle on what we have known and experienced of the past? Why not this new year? Why not go more and better and deeper this year? Do you know who answers and says, yes, I want that? It's people who've recognized that that is a treasure of infinite value and worth that's worth buying that, selling everything I've got to buy that field. It's worth selling everything to find that pearl at the bottom of the Persian Gulf. So then I'll reorient my life, I'll reorient my time, my priorities, my finances, my family. I'll reorient it all around what? Around that value and worth. I've decided what do I really want? Who do I really want to be? You've got to settle that issue. Do you see why that's so core? You've got to settle it. God, who have you called and created me to be? In your eyes, what matters the most? First things first, like Lewis said. If we don't get this first things first, then what happens if you put second things first? What are second things? We get into 2017. It's good. It's good to work on family dynamics. Hey, I want to take some steps forward, family. It's good to work on physical health, eating habits. It's good to work on financial well-being. It's good to work on career path and career development. Those are all good things. But Jesus would say they're also all second-tier things. And if you put second-tier things first, what happens? You lose it all. It all gets, starts unraveling. It gets the rightly ordered loves are all out of sorts. And so you come first, you say, geez, what's first things first? First things first is there is a kind of life available to any who say they want it. The kind of life is you can live your everyday life in 2017 with Jesus, in Jesus, for Jesus, and through Jesus. The Emmanuel life. And there's nothing like it when you taste it of that life. That is a treasure and a banquet table that no other table compares with. And then you fundamentally answer the question, I want that. And then it spurs into what? You begin to reorient your life, your everyday living, in step with your longings. Which brings us back to the trellis. So, I would love to see each of us put together a trellis for your spiritual development in 2017. Here's how I've structured mine. I put mine together under the banners of daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually. What are the practices, experiences, and relationships that help me be the person God's called and created me to be? I put that in your notes. That's the question I think you can kind of hang over the, how do I put this together? And then I just put categories for me. Now, you don't have to do it this way. I think everybody's trellis is going to look different depending on season of life, spiritual gifts, temperament calling. It's all going to look different. But I think there's some common elements that all of us who are disciples of Jesus have that I put in mind, like daily, for example. Daily, I want to be in the scriptures daily. That's part of my trellis. So I'm reading through the one-year Bible this year. And so that gets me in Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, and Proverbs, 15, 20 minutes a day, probably just to be in kind of immersion in scripture for me. It's a daily thing for me. Personally, I think for any disciple of Jesus, that's probably a good goal to have daily, to be in the Word daily, 
And then out of that, I want to be in a focused time of prayer daily based upon what God's speaking and revealing in his word. So that's kind of a daily thing for me. Scripture and prayer is a good goal. Have rhythm daily. Weekly would be like a Sabbath. There's got to be a rhythm to our life, right? Weekly, there's got to be a stopping in the midst of the working and the running. Work, produce, accomplish, create six, rest one. So Sabbath for me is a goal weekly. Corporate worship is another goal weekly. God said, hey, don't neglect getting together like this. I think this should be a goal weekly. That apart from there being some family crisis or family emergency, we need to be together as a body. It's a part of our trellis for spiritual formation. That means whether it's flurrying snow outside or not, or no matter what the kids' schedules are or not. See, here's what you have to decide as a family unit. What's going to matter more to you? Do you see if the... If some of the other development of your children, if you say, you know what, I want to make the academic development, artistic development, athletic development of my children, if I'm going to prioritize that over their spiritual development, guess what gives? Then you don't prioritize gathering with the body of Christ to worship and placing them around those spiritual development environments. That's a value statement, do you see? So you have to value, you've got to say, hey, what's going to matter? And I'm all for kids enjoying sports and arts, but here's what I'm not all for. I'm not for you mortgaging, I'm not for you mortgaging the spiritual development of your children on the altar of youth sports and activities. That's not a wise thing to do as a parent. You are going to wake up one day and you're going to be living with a pile of regret because this is what parades through youth pastor's offices and senior pastor offices. It's family units who come and this child's about to go off to college and there's this crisis of what's been developed in their character and they're like, Pastor, help! They're going off to college. That's a really hard conversation. Why? Because you've got to start it years before in prioritizing some things so when they get to that place, there's some things built in them. That's going to matter way more than whether they know how to hit a baseball this far or kick a soccer ball that far. As fun as all that is, there's stuff that matters more than that. Are you tracking with me? This is Jesus saying there is a value and a worth that supersedes. This is tier one. First things first, church. Second things are thrown in. We can't put second things first. You lose the whole batch of first and second things. Monthly, what are some things monthly you want to set a goal? Maybe this is kind of a fasting goal. From Fasting is one of the hardest disciplines for this skinny rail of a body. I mean, I like to eat every hour on the hour. It's brutal for me to fast. But I've set a goal this year that monthly I want to take a time and fast. Because Jesus said in his word, when you fast, it doesn't seem to me like he had any impression that I wouldn't be fasting, regardless of metabolism. Like Jesus, a parenthesis there for like high metabolism people, nothing. When you fast. Okay. But for you monthly, another one for me monthly is I want to intersect with some of my spiritual mentors who don't live around here anymore, like Sundar Christian up in Toronto. I want to have an intentional phone call where we talk about some of these things, where I just kind of open up my life and let him ask what he wants to ask, kind of like what Jan does with Olivia. I want monthly to have that with some of the mentors in my life. Quarterly. Quarterly, I've set a goal with silence and solitude. I'd like to have a little larger block of time. This is where I go off to a monastery for a day or two and just be still and be quiet. I'd like to do that quarterly this year and then annually. Annually, that's right. It suggests us putting like an extended time, family vacation together. You know what family vacation should be, I think, in Jesus' eyes is a string of Sabbath days put together as a family unit. So like if you take a week-long family vacation, a week-long family Sabbath. 
And you look at how God can use that for stillness and refreshment and renewal on the whole family unit. Or maybe it's a mission trip like what Olivia did going to Cambodia. Maybe it's an annual mission trip you want to go on. But daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually. Intentionally putting some thoughts and plans to you and I's spiritual development this year. Gang, this is normal Christian life for a disciple of Jesus. If you're not here as a disciple of Jesus, you're looking at this going, why would I want to do this? Well, here's the answer a disciple of Jesus would say to you. Because we have found a treasure that's buried in a field that is of such infinite value and worth that I want to reorient my whole life to live in that treasure, to experience it, to harvest that pearl from the Red Sea, from the bottom of the Persian Gulf. Because there's nothing that compares with knowing him and walking with him and loving him and serving him and feasting in his bank. Nothing. That's why the scripture says, who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? The obvious answer is no one, Lord. There's no one like you. And so he, his, the recognition of his infinite value and worth spawns into a reorientation of life to put together a trellis for our spiritual development. So depending on the season of life you're in, yours is going to look different. Those of you new moms around here, yours is going to look different. But it doesn't mean, I don't, I don't think we just wait to kind of get through seasons of life. That's the thing I want to caution us in. Say, well, I'm not in the right season of life to put this together. When is the right season of life to do that? Even though you have young kids at home, it does, it does mean there can be some elements of this. And then a little bit later on, as the kids get grown up, some of you in empty nester seasons, come you becoming grandparents and building into that. There's always going to be something. Some of you say, oh, my career is not. There's always going to be the next thing. And that's why it comes back to what do you really want? Who do you want to be? And then how do you want to live so you can be who you want to be? And you take those questions in God's prayer and say, God, who have you created and called me to be? And what do you want out of my life? And am I going to arrange my everydayness that's in step with these deeper longings? And maybe you're sitting there right now and go, I got no idea how to put this whole thing together. And maybe you need some help. Well, guess what? That's what the church should be. We should be an environment that can provide help. That's what we're here for. There's a lot of Jan Woodalls that would be glad to sit down with you and help. Have a cup of coffee and sit down and talk about this and put some practical things together. And you're going to have to experiment with some things. You have to try some stuff. You're going to have to evaluate. You're going to have to adjust it through the year. Once or twice a year, you've got to kind of look over the trellis and make some adjustments. And big life changes require big adjustments here. That's part of it. So if you want help doing that, you just mark on your card again as well. and Just say, hey, need some help putting the trellis together. And we'll get some folks to help you do that. Whether it's life group leaders, elders, pastors around here. Because there is a treasure church that I think it's worth selling everything we've got to harvest that treasure and to live in this life. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that 2017 would be a year that's marked with knowing you more and deeper and better. I pray that you'd give us wisdom on our role to put intentionality and focus and effort to how is it that you want us to grow and develop this year? To not just coast along week after week, but to be focused, to listen to the leadings of your spirit. Lord, there's some in the room that right now are longing for a Jan-type relationship to step into their life. I pray 2017 would be that year for them. That you would just forge together spiritual mentoring relationships all through this congregation. And that we'd see just testimony after testimony of how you're growing us through that. Thank you for making 
this kind of a life available to us. I just kind of picture you sitting with each one of us, just kind of locking eye to eye and saying, hey, what do you want? What do you want? And then how are you going to live so you can be who I've called and created you to be? Help us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to wrap up.